0: started a series a couple weeks ago now called loving each other and we're going to continue in the series today I want to read our first verse and then I'll give you what we're specifically looking at today so John 13 and verse 34 Jesus is talking and he says to his disciples now I am giving you a new commandment love each other just as I have loved you you should love each other Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus gives them a command. You see, this is not a suggestion to love each other. This is a command. And we all know there's a difference between suggestions, good ideas, and commands. This one means we need to do it. Loving each other is important, and it shows that we truly are Christians. Jesus said, the world around you will know that you're a follower of Christ by your love. Okay? And we've gone over this in both the messages so far. It's not by how loud you pray, or how many miracles you've done, or how many books you've read on theology, or how many times you've read through the Bible. This is a good book to read through. But that does not determine how others will know you are a follower of Christ. Only one thing does. And it is this. Do you show love? Because the world will recognize that you are different. When you show love the way Jesus showed it, they take note. Today, specifically, we are going to look at showing love for each other by forgiving each other. You see, forgiveness, I believe, is the key principle, the key practice, if you will, that truly allows us to love each other no matter what. Without forgiveness, there will not be love. Forgiveness is going to be a part of every good relationship. If you see a Married couple, and you're like, man, they just have the most amazing marriage. Guaranteed, they learned forgiveness early on. Amazing relationships will have a strong core of forgiveness. You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because nobody is perfect, and even unintentional offense comes. Mistakes, misunderstandings. So a good relationship must have forgiveness. Forgiveness is super important. And we need to do it the way Jesus said. Matthew 6 and verse 9, Jesus is showing his followers how to pray. You see, his disciples came to him one day and said, Jesus, can you show us how to pray? Because John the Baptist showed his disciples how to pray. And we want to know Now, I don't know exactly what they were hoping for or expecting, but Jesus gave them a pretty simple, basic way to pray. Maybe they were hoping for something more theological or more in-depth or, you know, more spiritual. But here's what he gave them. Matthew 6, verse 9, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus gives them this prayer. And he lays out some basic foundations of prayer if you want to look at it. You can see he's getting them start by just thanking and honoring your heavenly father for who he is. Asking him to have his will in our lives. Then he goes into, you know, go ahead, tell him what your needs are. So simple, give us this day what we need. And then he makes the statement, forgive us our debts or our sins as, or like, we forgive those who sin against us. And he finishes off telling, saying, go ahead, pray that you don't fall into temptation, and pray that deliver us, Lord, from the evil one. Now that is a very basic prayer, how to deal with the spiritual world we live in. Jesus... Didn't go into any explanation on any part of the prayer. Only one thing that he felt. I need to look at this part again. Because my disciples are not going to get it. All the rest he knew they were going to get. They're going to figure it out. But he purposely went back and looked at just one spot. And in verse 14 he said. If you forgive men their trespasses. Your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive Men, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, I just want to make clear the version I'm reading from says men, but it's not only men who trespass. Okay, everybody good with that? Okay, the women are like, oh, come on. It's always the men. People, okay, that that word was used for people. He says if you forgive people, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you don't, neither will your Father forgive you. This is the most basic but a little bit scary thing. And I believe that Jesus wanted them to get this clear because it's a difficult thing for some people to do. Forgive? Well, no, I want them to get what they deserve. But do you want what you deserve? No. No, thank you. So he says, great, then you forgive, and I'll forgive the same way. Forgiving is important. It's something we do even if we don't feel like it. We don't try and get even or stay angry. We deal with it by talking and forgiving. As a matter of fact, as a believer, we are more like Christ when we forgive than any other time. You want to be more like him? Forgive. You want to be known as a Christ follower? Forgive. You see, holding on to it and keeping it and allowing it to stir inside will cause you to become angry and bitter. And you will end up hurting other people. Forgiveness is very important. Jesus taught his disciples how important forgiveness is and he showed them how to do it. Matthew 18 and verse 15, Jesus gave them some practical advice on how to do conflict or problems. If there's an issue between one believer and another, he gave them practical advice. This is what you need to do. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and correct them when you are alone together, privately. If they listen to you, then you've won over your brother or sister. But if they won't listen, take with you one or two others, so that every word may be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. But if they still won't pay attention, report it to the church. In other words, you could talk to a pastor. If they won't pay attention even to the church, treat them as you would a Gentile and a tax collector. So here is some basic advice, how to keep yourself from getting in major conflict, deal with it quickly. If you're upset at someone go talk to them privately first. If you need to do that by a phone call because they're not close by. I would suggest not texting people to work out situations. Texts sure seem to get misinterpreted. Go to the person. Talk to them and be honest with you know what happened and how you feel and work it out. Now if He says it didn't work there. Well, then get a couple people and see if you can work it out. If that doesn't work, you can call a pastor, see if you can work it out. If that doesn't work, then he says treat them as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. And I want to interpret for you the last part of this verse because some people take this to mean, fine, I tried three times, now I hate you. That's not what this means. You see, a Gentile and a tax collector for the Jews would mean this. They're not going to spend time with them. They are not close friends with them. Nobody was a close friend with a tax collector. And the Jews were not supposed to spend time with Gentiles at that point. So this means, hey, if you've had a conflict that can't seem to be resolved, you can still forgive, but you don't have to be in close relationship. You don't have to be doing business with them if they, you know, didn't pay you three times in a row. But you don't have to hate them. You still forgive them in your heart, but you can sometimes move on without being close. You know, there are situations in relationship where somebody was abused. They should never be back in that relationship, but they should and will need to forgive and release it from their own hearts. Okay? Because God wants... You and I to know how to love one another and forgiveness is very, very important. You see, gossip and fighting actually shows that there is no forgiveness. And it is the opposite of love. Gossiping in scripture is actually a sin. Did you know that? Well, what is gossip? It's when you go to somebody else and tell them something hurtful about another person. In other words, you're trying to get them to not like the other person or to look badly on the other person. I think everybody knows what gossip is. Probably everybody's done it once or twice, even if you didn't mean to. Maybe you've had somebody gossip about you. It doesn't feel good, does it? And often, it causes great dissension. You see, the Old Testament even very clearly tells us we're not to gossip or take revenge we're supposed to even love our neighbors. Leviticus 19 verse 16 says this. You shall not go around as a gossip among your people. And you are not to act against the life of your neighbor with slander or false testimony. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You may most certainly rebuke your neighbor, but you shall not incur sin because of him. In other words, you need to talk things out. You shall not take revenge nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor, acquaintance, associate, companion, as yourself. I am the Lord. This is Old Testament where their enemies they used to slaughter with a sword, and I mean, they were crazy, but yet even there he said, You've got to show love to those around you. So in the Old Testament, they knew with their own israelite brothers and sisters they were going to show love and the scripture clearly said show love to your neighbor but interesting he said don't be a gossip there's a saying in the navy loose lips sink ships did you know that in organizations a gossip can bring it down A business can be brought low simply by a gossip, spreading rumors, or even lies. But did you know that it can be brought up by people who bless, by people who speak well, by people who encourage and choose to look for the good? You know, I found out you can find something good in just about every situation. And you can find something good in every single person. You can find something good with every single person if you choose. So change the way you look at things and change the way you speak about them. And I tell you what, you will change inside, which will help change your family, which will help change everywhere you go. But if you stay in unforgiveness, something different happens and it's not good. Jesus is questioned by a religious leader when he's here on the earth, walking the earth, and they're trying to tempt him, and they want to ask him about the Old Testament. What are the greatest commandments? And here's what he says in Matthew 22 and 35. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and he doesn't stop there. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. You see, the Jews believed they were to forgive and love their own, but that was as far as it went. Jesus comes on the scene. He tells them clearly, I understand the law. And here's what it says, but he takes it to another level. He takes it to a level that you and I are supposed to walk in if we call ourselves Christians. Matthew 5, verse 43. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. I don't know what his disciples or the other Jews would have thought when they heard Jesus say this. But they would have probably went, huh? What? Generation after generation they've been taught, love your own but hate your enemies. And this would have been a shock to them and Jesus is telling them, nope, I'm telling you, you love your enemies, you bless them and you do good to them. Why would he say that? Aren't you supposed to defeat your enemies? Because Jesus knew how to defeat enemies that are people. I'm not talking spiritual right now. Jesus was talking about people. How do you defeat enemies? People who are your enemies, according to Jesus. You love them, you bless them, and you do good to them. Like, well, how does that defeat them? Well, for starters, they're either going to be so annoyed that they leave, or they're going to become your friend, not your enemy. Oh! Did you know some of your enemies have gifts and qualities that are unbelievable? Some of them have a stubbornness <laughs> that, oh man, if they were on your team, think about when you played sports. Some of you maybe played hockey or basketball. The guy you hated the most on the other team, you would have loved if he was on your team. <laughs> Isn't that true? <laughs> like, I hope he doesn't show up. But man, if he moved to your town and played on your team, you're like, yeah, church, Let's do it the way Jesus said. Let's know how to forgive and let's love. You see, loving each other and forgiving goes beyond our families, goes beyond our friend group and our own church, to our community, and yes, even our enemies. In 1 Peter 3, verse 8, we read this, Finally, all of you, that's us, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Do not repay evil with evil. I'm going to tell you this. Jesus said in the Old Testament, they said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. In other words, you hit me, I hit you back. You lie to me, I'm going to lie to you. You take my money, I'm going to take yours. That's the way it was, but Jesus says it's not that way anymore. I want it to be different. You see, when you repay evil with evil, if you're a Christian, when you do that, you are all of a sudden working for the wrong guy. Who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? The thief, the devil. The minute you decide, that's it. I'm going to do him wrong because he did me wrong. I'm going to curse him because he cursed me. Who are you working for? Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. Are you bringing life with your words or death? Because there's a verse that says life and death are in the power of your tongue. And then it continues on. They that love it will eat the fruit of it. Their bellies will be full of it. In other words, what you give out the most is what's going to come back and fill you. If you are spending your time lifting people up, it's going to come back overflowing. If you are spending your time blessing your community, it's going to come back overflowing. Amen? Bless. But if you're spending your time angry, running people down or cursing, it will come back to your belly. It's a scriptural principle that you can't get away from. You see, when you're able to bless someone who is against you, or who has done you evil, you can guarantee that you have truly forgiven them. I have found something out. This is a perfect test. If you're ever wondering, have I really forgiven people? If you can pray and bless them, you've forgiven them. It's an honest, easy way to know. So like today, you can go home this afternoon and be like, I think I forgave that person, did I? The test is this, begin to pray for them. Lord, and say their name, I pray that you would mightily bless them. If you can't say that, if you haven't forgiven them, you will not be able to say it. You're like, Lord, you'll say their name and you'll get this ugly feeling. You're like, Lord, just, just, i I'm not praying right now. <laughs> You're like, Pastor, how do you know that? <laughs> it's real. But if you can get past that and you can begin to bless them, even if it's a little bit tough, you know that forgiveness has come to your heart. Okay, And here's the great thing about doing this. When you do this, you are setting up your enemies to have a run-in with God. How can he bless them unless he runs into them and starts to work on them? Because he doesn't bless evil. So your enemy can be the most evil, wicked person and you start praying blessing on them? They're about to have a run-in with the Holy Spirit. They're going to have a run-in with God and things are going to change so that they can be blessed because you declared it. Now, that's a place I want to live. That's a church I want to be in. Come on, I know maybe there's times you get mad at somebody. If, if I know this church has this understanding of Jesus, every time somebody gets mad or something doesn't work out, they're going to bless them? This is going to be the most blessed church in the world. But if every time people are upset, they curse and talk about it, it's going to be a messed up, divided, frustrated, angry church. I don't want to pastor a church like that. Because <laughs> man, they take it out on the pastor. <laughs> you guys don't do that. So I'm happy about that. Because people have learned how to bless. People have learned how to lift up. They've learned how to, I'm going to go first and say what's bugging me. I have no, I love it when someone gives me a call and says, I don't know about what you were saying there. Or you did something that kind of hurt or offended me. I love that because it means we're going to work on this right away. But if you go to 10 other people first, it doesn't work. So go to the person first. When we refuse to forgive, we instead want vengeance or judgment to come on people. Often unforgiving people will try and bring vengeance or judgment On other people themselves. And this happens. I've seen it in the years of ministry. Over and over. When unforgiveness sits and festers. Scripture says it becomes bitterness. And bitterness is like poison. Did you know that? So just doing nothing with it. Causes it to be poison. And you become someone spreading poison. Like well I didn't intend for that. You didn't deal with it and the wound became infected, and it's spreading. You can't just ignore offense, you forgive. If you do nothing with it, it will hurt you the most, but it will spread to those around you. You guys, this is so important. Deal with it quickly. But often people who stay in unforgiveness begin to think, I need to bring vengeance myself, I need to make them pay see, bringing judgment or vengeance is not our job. It's not your job. Mm -mm. Romans 12, verse 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead... If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. This sounds like blessing people. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. When you hold on forgiveness and you begin to try to make people pay for what they've done, you begin stepping into what God calls evil. Give it to him, let it go. You're not called to do it. There's a story in the Old Testament about a young man who truly knew how to forgive. And many of you may know the story, but I want to tell it to you a little bit and give you a couple verses. It's the story of Joseph. Joseph was one of 12 brothers. And he and his younger brother were the two sons of, One of the wives. And Joseph happened to be the favorite son of his father, Jacob. Parents, you should not have favorite children. It creates a lot of problems. And it sure did in this family. Jacob gave Joseph a coat of many colors. And the coat stood for more than just it was a good looking expensive coat. It kind of also had with it a sense of Joseph is going to be the leader of the family one day. That's why dad gave him that coat. Joseph also had a little problem with tattletailing on his brothers. <laughs> well, that'll get your sisters and brothers mad at you. Anybody who had lots of siblings is the tattletaler. Nobody liked them, did they? It's like, oh, sure, you're going to go tell mom on us. But Joseph was one of 12, and he tattletaled a lot. But Joseph got himself in a lot of trouble, and the brothers begin to hate him. Joseph came to check on them one time for his father, and they were ready to kill him. One of the brothers said, I don't think we should kill him, just throw him in this dry well. They threw him in the dry well, and while he was down there alone comes a caravan from another country. You know, camels and people and slaves. And the brothers say, why don't we sell him as a slave? You know, then we haven't actually killed him. That's kind of worse than killing almost. Let's sell him as a slave. So they do, they sell him as a slave. Then they take his pretty coat that they didn't like anyways. They rip it up, put some goat's blood, and tell their father, we found this. Is is this Joseph's coat? You know, like they didn't know. Looks like a wild animal got him. Gee. Anyways, he's off, he's a slave. Joseph becomes a slave to a man named Potiphar. When he's 17 years old, he serves there, we're not told for how many years, but in the process of serving there, he's lied about by Potiphar's wife. She tells a lie and says, Joseph came after me, but anyways, she had the issue. He didn't, doesn't matter, he's the slave, he goes to jail. He's in jail, we're also not told for how long, but we do know that at 28 years old, Old, 11 years later after being sold as a slave he is in prison running the prison because Joseph has gifts and Joseph keeps an attitude of I'm serving God and I'm doing my best wherever he puts me even if it's jail what an attitude we also find out that Joseph was able to forgive I believe that if he wasn't able to forgive he would have not been in the positions he was he would have not got to where he got to Because you see, if he had held unforgiveness, he'd have been a bitter, angry guy sitting in the corner of his cell, mad at God and mad at the world. When you hold unforgiveness, you get to a point where you are not useful. People stay away from you. Bosses don't want to schedule or hire you. Unforgiveness turns you into something you never want to be. But Joseph didn't go there, and he runs to prison. 28 years, he interprets a dream. And he interprets one dream for a baker that says, Man, you're in trouble, you're going to die. Another one for the butler that says, hey, you're going to have your job back, and when you get your job back, make sure and tell them about me, because I was wrongfully accused, I'm not supposed to be here. And the butler remembers two years later. Two years more in prison, running the prison. Joseph, of course, is let out to interpret the Pharaoh's dream. He ends up being put second in command of the entire country. Wow. Second in command. Because he kept his heart right in the rough times. He kept his heart right when people did him wrong. You keep your heart right, you have no idea where God's going to use you. He's looking for people who have the ability to keep a pure heart. And a pure heart forgives continually. Let me say that again. A pure heart forgives continually. That's a good place to do that. Finally, at 39 years old, 22 years after being sold as a slave, 39 years of age, two years into a seven-year famine, a whole group of guys show up, his brothers. They are showing up to him for food. Now we know the story, Joseph tests them a little bit, but they don't know who he is. He does some stuff with putting stuff in their grain sacks and making sure they come back and asking questions because he wants to know if his father's alive and he wants to know if his younger brother's alive. Once he finds these things out, they come back and he reveals himself to them. He says, you guys don't know, but I'm your brother Joseph. Scripture actually says that they could not talk. They just looked at him like, I think, first of all, they were like, he's alive. And secondly, they were like, oh no, he's alive. All they could think about was, we're about to die. Because they did not understand forgiveness. They lived with anger and hate. They had to have. How would you want to kill your own brother? Anger and hate consumed them. They didn't understand it, but Joseph did. And Joseph said, don't worry about it. God has sent me here. God is working this out. And he tells them, so he forgives them completely. It says that he ends up weeping and hugging each one of them. And after he weeps and hugs each one, they're able to talk. Because I think at that moment they realize, okay, he's not going to kill us. Then he does more than that. He says, go back get dad, get the rest of the household and everything that we have. He said, go back and come live here and be blessed. They end up, they are given the very best land in Egypt for all of the family. He forgave them and he blessed them abundantly. Wow, now that, my friend, is forgiveness. But later, a number of years later, Jacob dies. Joseph's father, the brother's father dies and the brothers who still don't understand forgiveness are like, uh oh, now he's going to kill us. Because he probably was just trying to make dad happy. And verse 18 of chapter 50 says, Then the brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. I want you to see something here that is so important. When somebody wrongs you, if you decide to get even, if you decide to make them pay, if you decide, I'm going to curse them, I'm going to defeat them, you are putting yourself in the place of God. You have no right to pass judgment and decide what they need. You are not God. We are not God. Joseph understood that and he forgave them completely. Matthew 18 and 21. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, comes to him and asks, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? He felt he was being generous. Seven times? Jesus says not seven times, but 70 times seven. Jesus picked a number that is impossible to reach because he was saying loud and clear to Peter and to us, don't you ever quit forgiving people. You don't quit. Now, I've already mentioned you don't stay in relationship of any kind with somebody who's abusing or continuing to do this, but you have to still forgive because if you don't, it will destroy you. This is the amazing and beautiful thing about forgiveness. It sets you free. It sets you free from the hurt. It sets you free from the wrong. You must continue to forgive. Jesus, of course, didn't just teach it. He showed it. He did it. He was our example that we should follow. And I'm beginning to wrap up now. And for those of you who are here, if you're here and maybe you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, you've never understood this kind of forgiveness. Jesus made it available for us as well. Because you see, a sin problem in all of mankind broke our relationship with the Heavenly Father. And there was only one way to fix it. A pure sacrifice had to be made. And Jesus said, I will go. I'll be that sacrifice. And he came to this earth to pay a price for us. And Jesus went to the hill Golgotha, and he was hung on a cross. And in Luke twenty-two thirty-three, it says, When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Jesus is in pain Dying. He's been whipped and beaten till he's barely alive. He is bled from the wounds of the whips. What blood is still in his system? He now has nails through his hands and his feet. And as he hangs there, he sees the crowd of people. And we know from other chapters in the Bible, they are mocking him. The religious leaders are saying, Oh, if you're really who you said, why don't you come down from there? He's just a big fake. The same religious leaders that earlier in his ministry, he had actually told them, prophesied over them, and said to the religious leaders, you guys are in big trouble because you've killed the prophets. You've killed the ones God sent to you. And he even tells them all of the prophets and murderers that you've done right up until now are going to be on you. And if you read that prophecy, he was including himself, but they didn't know it. Because he said, you're going to fulfill it. Prophetically, they were going to pay for it all. But yet now, as he hangs on a cross, he says, that was the prophecy in his mind. But he says, you know what, Lord? Forgive them. My blood won't be on their heads. They will not be guilty for my blood. You forgive them, Lord, because I'm laying my life down. They're not taking it. Forgiveness is a beautiful thing. And he forgave completely and then he died. He died on that cross and was put in a tomb and three days later he rose again triumphant, victorious, completely defeating hell and the grave and he did it for you and I. Church, if we accept his forgiveness and his love, we are going to be able to love others and forgive them. And so today we're going to do that. If there's someone here and you've not accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to give you the opportunity right now. It's simple. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that, yes, Jesus died for me and rose again, you'll be forgiven, you'll be saved. It's that easy. So we do that here at church. And I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. I'm going to ask you, to repeat this prayer with me so that you can use your words to say what's in here. So if you'll close your eyes, it just helps you to focus a little bit. Repeat this after me. I'm going to ask you all to join. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Make me new. I thank you. I am saved. Amen. You can clap for that. I just want to pray over the congregation about forgiveness because this is a key point. And I know there are a number of you here today who maybe have something you're struggling with to forgive. It just keeps coming back. It keeps stirring up. You know, i found that for many people, because of unforgiveness, they wake up every day and relive what happened. Relive the hurtful thing or the hurtful words. So they wake up and they're like feeling the exact same feelings as five years ago, three years ago, ten years ago. They're living and in their minds they replay it. They actually are causing the wound to always be open. It doesn't get healed because there's no forgiveness. Forgiveness says, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I need you to deal with it. I don't need to think about it or play it over anymore. I want the wound healed. Forgiveness allows God now to begin healing the wound. But when you reopen it every day, it never heals. You've got to forgive. So today I'm going to pray over you, for God to give you the grace and the love to forgive. So bow with me one more time. Let me pray that over Lord, I pray for this congregation. I thank you. There are some here that experienced hurt beyond words. Even now, they're thinking, nobody's been hurt as much as me. And for some, people would cry if they even heard the things they've had to go through. But Lord, you want them to forgive. You want them to give it to you. And so Lord, I pray that you would give them the grace, that you would give them the love to be able to forgive, to be able to forgive the father, the mother, the uncle, whoever it is in their mind, they will forgive, not because they want to, but because you said to. And so Lord, right now, we use our words and we say, Lord, forgive them. Lord, forgive them. I want you to say this right now. Picture whoever you need to picture and say, Lord, forgive them. Go ahead, say it with me. Lord, forgive them. One more time. Lord, forgive them forgive them. In Jesus' name, amen.